Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by the Ham Station. Get your new radio or antenna by calling 800-729-4373 or go to hamstation.com. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Ham Talk Live, episode number 19, Field Day Q&A with Sean Kutzko, KX9X, recorded live on Thursday, June 23rd, 2016. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9PPG, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. This evening, Sean Kutzko, KX9X, is here from the American Radio Relay League. And he's going to talk all about field day. So we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week on the show, Dan Romanchik, KB6NU, was here to talk about the new extra class license test pool and teaching one day and weekend technician classes. If you missed that show, you can listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or you can listen to the download on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, or SoundCloud. And it's also available on YouTube. Get all your field day questions ready to go. This is your chance to get those answered. You can call us on Skype at the username HamTalkLive, or you can call us by telephone. The telephone number is 812-NET-HAM-1. 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. You can also send us a question via Twitter, our Twitter handle is at HamTalkLive. Next, Sean Kutzko, KX9X, on the topic of field day, right after this word from Tower Electronics, right here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics has been the Ham's dime store since 1978, bringing connectors, antennas, cables, and other parts to the world. Scott and Jill travel the country bringing their store to you at HamFest, but you can also order online at pl-259.com or by calling 920-435-2973. Stock up on those supplies like PL-259 and end connectors, audio cables, mobile antennas, and hamsticks. Their silver-plated end connectors are even in use on the International Space Station. Tower Electronics is a dealer for MFJ, Comet, Daiwa, OPEC, Workman, and Hampro Technologies. 
Tower Electronics, online at pl-259.com, proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. A flashlight is a case for holding dead batteries. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. We'd like to thank Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show tonight so we can bring you Ham Talk Live. We'll be at the Oak Creek, Wisconsin Ham Fest on July 9th. Call 920-435-2973 or visit their website at pl-259.com. Be sure to listen every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here on hamtalklive.com. And if you missed the show, you can download the podcast from the website and most popular podcasting websites. Sean Kutzko, KX9X, is the former contest manager and currently the media and public relations manager at um, the American Radio Relay League, or ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio. Sean enjoys portable operations, satellites, and QRP the most at this time. He's an avid DXer and has had the chance to be the DX several times. Sean was licensed uh, in 1982 and is originally from central Illinois, actually not too far away from me, and attended the nearby University of Illinois. Sean has been on the ARL staff since 2007, and notably, he's the world-famous drummer for the world-famous Spurious Emissions Band. So, Sean... Welcome to Ham Talk Live. Hey, Neil. How you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much for for coming on. We've got two days until field day, so oh, hopefully yeah. everybody uh, has the, some of their plans made at least. And uh, any last-minute details, hopefully we can help them out with that tonight. Oh, I hope so. So tonight we want to focus on field day, so we're going to try to uh, to limit our, our discussion to that. But first, I I have to tell this story about how I met Sean. I, I had the opportunity <laughs> to to go to ARRL headquarters um, several years ago for the Teachers Institute. And the Teachers Institute is by far the best professional development I've ever been to as an educator. Um, it was uh, uh, an entire week uh, in the conference room out at league headquarters, and we went through all kinds of stuff to show the kids, to build for the kids, to to have them build, to, to do all these things. And it was just the best thing, and, and I absolutely loved being out in Newington because on lunch I could sneak over across the parking lot to W1AW and operate for a while. That's always but, a big attraction. But yeah, right across from the conference room in a little hallway, there's this little office. And 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 I've been in your new office at at, at one point before mm-hmm. you you had that position. So I I know the office space is is much nicer now. I'm thinking about renting some of it out as a putting green. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> He's got just a little bit bigger office than the one he used to have. But anyway, he had one of his old Illinois 
ham radio license plates hanging up on on the wall and and so every day when we took a break i would go out in the hall and i kept seeing kx9x on on the license plate and i'm like now wait a minute i know kx9x that's not him (laughs) and and i'm like I'm going to go talk to this guy at some point because when I was when I was a um, a young ham, you know, in in my well preteens, one of the things that I would do is I was really really into two meter FM DX, which is mm-hmm. kind of strange, I guess. But um, we had we had a boomer up and. It was about 50 feet high and, and an amplifier and everything. And I was always trying to see what repeaters I could get. And I made little index cards mm. and had them in this little box. And I would write down the frequency and the offset, uh, you know, and the call sign and the location of every repeater I had ever hit. And then I would make notes on when I could get it and when I couldn't. And one of the repeaters that I found that I could only get sometimes was one in Seymour, Indiana, which is actually just down the road from me now where I live now. Um, And the Seymour, Indiana repeater was on 145.43, and it was the KX9X repeater. And so I just always heard that call sign. And so I talked to the guy a lot. You know, whenever I would call in, he was usually the guy around that would give me a signal to report. And so, um, you know, I got to know him fairly well on uh, on the repeater. Um, And he he passed away and and the repeater actually went silent for a long time. Um, Finally, they uh, reorganized and, and and brought it back up. So, so Sean got a hold of, of that call. And so I, I duck into his office during break and he has no idea who I am. And, and, and I, I go in there and say, where'd you get that call sign? And I got that when, uh, the vanity program first up, opened up in, uh, November of 96. And I just, I chose it because I liked the symmetry of it. Yeah. Had... It's, a, it's a great call sign. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that uh, the person who owned it uh, before me, I, I, I did a little bit of research into the, the gentleman who had the call before me, um, but I had no idea that he had a repeater. So the story that you just told uh, is a, a new story to me. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I, always like fi- I always like finding out, uh, you know, researching calls because, you know, the vanity program has been in play for so long now. It's, it's, it's interesting to track the history of how some of these call signs have have uh, come uh, come uh, come along and how they've evolved and who's picked them up. Well, I I went out on a search this afternoon when I got home, and and was trying to find the guy's name, and I finally found uh, I think a 1983 call book online, and I finally found it. It was Leroy Woodard from Seymour, Indiana, KX9X. Hmm. So hmm. so that's the story of, of meeting Sean. And every time and think, I've seen him since, so I always make it a point to say hi, and and mm-hmm. and the rest is history. And the things have been great ever since. Absolutely. <laughs> so you started out in your little bitty office mm-hmm. as the contest branch manager. That's and true. And then um, recently you um, 
decided to take on the big shoes of the public relations manager. That is true. Uh, I was uh, promoted, if you will, uh, in uh, 2013 after the previous PR manager, Alan Pitts, uh, retired. And I took over at that point in time. And uh, it's been a lot of fun because I've, uh, as contest branch manager, you focus primarily on contesting. That's what that job is. Um, but as PR manager, you have to learn about all facets of ham radio and you have to promote the hobby in general. And uh, that has been a great education for me. And it has been uh, wonderful to meet folks from uh, all, all across the hobby, all, all different interests. And, uh, and I, I really couldn't be happier. It's, it's just great. Yeah, and, and you're the, the perfect person to have on tonight because you, you've been in that contest manager seat for many years and then now you're this the the big PR guy so it just made total sense to to uh ask you to come on the show so we're so glad that uh, that you're here uh, before we we dig Thank in you. here uh why don't you share your story about your very first field oh god day? my first field day oh goodness okay um well, let's see. I uh, I got licensed in uh, April of 82, 1982. Uh, I took my novice test uh, thanks to the University of Illinois Club, the Sinton Amateur Radio Club, W9YH. Hello to anybody uh, at the club if they're listening tonight. Uh, and I uh, was asked by the club members uh, in Champaign, Illinois, if I would be there novice station for uh for field day in 1982 and i said of course and i had no idea what i was getting myself into at that point a <laughs> um, bunch of uh college kids uh uh hanging out uh at this place west of town uh, west of champaign urbana in this little dinky town called bondville and there was um a, a uh a research station there uh, that had an extremely large uh, antenna that was uh, several telephone poles in a giant circle, and it had an observation tower, uh, like you would find, uh, like a fire observation tower uh, uh, in the in national parks or something like that. That had a you know you had to climb up to the top of it, and it had this ten by ten room about 120 feet uh, above the above the ground. And this whole area was known as the bird cage, and uh, it was some sort of research facility uh, by the University of Illinois, I believe. And um, and so they they said we're going to do field day from the bird cage. Bring your radio with you, and we'll set up shop in this little ten by ten room, 120 feet above the Illinois prairie. And I said sure. So I lugged my uh, Heathkit HW101 and that big power supply that it had. Uh, up these stairs and got tucked away into the corner. And with the help of the uh, engineering, the the engineering guys, the double E guys from the university, I threw a giant dipole off the top of this uh, uh, platform. There was a, a platform above the uh, ten by ten building on this observation tower, and we threw all the dipoles and wires off the off the top of that. And had uh, just a, a, a nice array of slopers. And, uh, and they put me in the corner of the room and they said, okay, go to it and uh, see how many extra bonus points you can get us as the novice station this year. And uh, so I jumped on 40 and 80 
uh, in the novice bands back then and uh, worked what seemed to be a, a ridiculous, never-ending pile-up of stations uh, in, my, in my memory. And I, uh, uh, I felt uh, completely overwhelmed and I felt like I was uh, uh, sitting on a de-expedition to Heard Island or something like that. And uh, in, in preparation for uh, being on tonight's show, I actually dug out my logbook uh, from from field day back in 1982, and I counted them all up, and I worked 62 stations in 24 hours. But I'd been licensed for three months, and it uh, it was the the most activity that I'd had on on the radio up to that point, and uh, and it it just seemed uh, like a, a cacophony of uh, of of Morse code at that at that young point. So 14 sure. years old, 62 contacts in 24 hours, and I, I was I was I just ate it up. It was it was thrilling. And there were all kinds of other mishaps and adventures that took place that only occur on field day. Uh, I, they asked me to be a human antenna rotator for uh, an Oscar satellite pass. And that was, uh, you know, that was a comedy of errors. I had no idea what I was doing. And it was like it was like something out of the Keystone Cops, you know, and but point it over there. Look up higher. No, turn it this way. And it was just it was terrible. So but I learned a lot. And um, and it was it was the first time that I felt like I was accepted by uh, a peer group of, of people that were older than me because we were all amateur radio operators and I was the new kid on the block and they were actually taking time to welcome me and bring me into the fold and help show me the ropes a little bit. And, uh, and I remember feeling uh, a part of the group as I fell asleep that night, 120 feet above the prairie, uh, on on this observation platform above the room, with the wind blowing uh, uh, fairly hard, I remember I was I was in a sleeping bag with a mat with a little inflatable mattress on the top of it, and uh, the wind was blowing so hard it, I actually had to turn my sleeping bag around 180 degrees so it wouldn't suck me out. So uh, just I, you know that that memory, your first field day is always just etched into your brain, and I will never forget that. Oh yeah, I um, I grew up in Vincennes, Indiana, and we had this park right along the banks of the Wabash River. It was called uh, Kimmel Park, and there's this huge outdoor shelter house that was there, and um, we set everything up there, and I always liked it because, again, I was a novice at the time. And so I liked it because I got to use extra class privileges. Oh yeah. Uh, I I could I could grab a hold of that microphone instead of my key. And so I did some CW but but I always liked to get a spot on the microphone because that's something I rarely was able to do. Um and so I was um elmered by many really good amateur contesters. I, I wouldn't put them in the the class of professional contester, but boy, they weren't far from it. Mm. And and I remember Steve Sage, N09N, which he was WB9UKH at the time, and uh, he was our best operator. And he took me, you know, and, and, and showed me how to make a run and he mm -hmm. didn't do search and pounce. He got on a frequency. He called and called and took them as fast as he could go. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my contesting skills came from that field day. That's, 
that was my first experience with contesting. And honestly, my only experience with contesting for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And so field day, and we can get into this later, there's always the debate of, well, is it a contest? Is it not? Right. You know, right. to me, it was always a contest. We were out there and we were going to see how many, you know, pileups we could get and, and how many, and we could, uh, we could knock out. And, and I just had a blast. Of course, I'm, you know, a five-year-old kid, six-year-old kid, you know, out there. Um, and then, you know, I remember a couple of years later, you know, then, uh, I had my general and so I could be in the general band by myself you know, on that. Oh yeah. That's a seven, big deal. That was a big deal. You know, I could, I could be on there by myself now. And so field day is always a, a very, very good thing. So we want to take everybody's questions. Um, but before we do that, just give us a, a quick rundown of what's changed this year. What's new? Well, um, I would say there are probably two big things that are new this year. Uh, We've got a couple of new bonuses that are available for um, Class A stations, uh, the the club portable folks out there. There are two new bonus uh, uh, points that you can gather. One is a social media bonus. So if you uh, are using a recognized social media platform, so that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, platforms of that nature, a a defined social media platform, and you send out uh, uh, tweets or uh, status updates or video or audio of what's going on on your field day site and to help promote your field day effort, we'll give you 100 bonus points for that. And we can also talk about, uh, later on if you want, we can talk about the, uh, the way that the social media bonus is also set up to help you with your uh, public outreach far beyond field day. It's a critical component of the public relations uh, messaging that we have available to us uh, in amateur radio today. And so we're one way that you can uh, get your feet wet with that if you are not uh, already active with social media is you can use the social media bonus to set up your... Uh, social media networks get a hundred bonus points for uh, for getting uh, getting off the ground with social media, and then you can use all of the skills that you set up and learn with Field Day in the real world to help promote your club or your uh, or your group. So uh, that's a real world application of uh, something you learn in Field Day, and Field Day has been all about that for a long time. You know, it gives you a space to try something new and then take it into uh, your amateur radio career. Uh, further on down the line. The other is uh, a safety officer position for clubs. Then we provide a a checklist of good safety practices that um, uh, the safety officer can go around and help ensure that uh, your field day site for your club or your group is going to be as as safe as it possibly can be. And you can earn 100 points for that as well. We can talk about that a little bit if you like. And um, Something else that's uh, noteworthy is uh, 2016 is, of course, the year for National Parks on the Air uh, through the ARRL. This is the 100th anniversary of the National Park Service, and we have the National Parks on the Air year-long event that's going on. And I've heard from many stations that are going to be setting up uh, their field day site at a National Parks on the Air eligible site. There are 484 NPOTA sites uh, for 2016, and I know of uh, several folks that are setting up uh, for field day 
uh, at a National Parks on the Air site. So we can, uh, we can talk about uh, combining field day and National Parks on the Air if you want to do that as well. And, you know, the irony of that is that Kimmel mm-hmm. Park that, that I was talking about where I went to field day the, the first time is less than a mile away from the George Rogers Clark Memorial, which is one of wow. the national parks on the air. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm going to try to activate that one uh, some this summer myself, uh, mm-hmm. run back down to the, the old hometown and, and figure that out. So anything else new before we take a break? Oh, I'd say those are the big uh, big ticket items for 2016. Okay, well, some of uh, the new uh, changes have prompted some questions, so we want to give you a chance to ask those. So uh, we're going to stop the interview as much as we can at this point and give you some time to call in and ask those. So we're going to take our final break, and we'll be back to take your calls about field day with Sean Kutzko KX9X right after this message from the Ham Station. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by the Ham Station. For 35 years, the Ham Station has brought new and used radios, antennas, accessories, and equipment to the amateur radio community. Give Jeff or Dan a call at 1-800-729-4373 or order online at hamstation.com. Ham Station carries all the major brands like Icom, Yezu, and Kenwood. Shop from a wide selection of radio scanners, MFJ accessories, Heil Sound products, Mirage and Ameritron amplifiers, Cushcraft antennas, and more. Easy online shopping and fast shipping are waiting for you at hamstation.com or call 1-800-729-4373. The Ham Station, proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. CQ, CQ, CQ. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Join the conversation. Call us on voice with Skype at Ham Talk Live or give us a call at 812 Net Ham 1. That's 812 638 4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. The Ham Station has you covered for both new and used equipment. Give Dan or Jeff a call at 800-729-4373 or go to hamstation.com and be sure to listen to the show every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on hamtalklive.com or check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Just search Ham Talk Live. It's time for your calls. If you have a question about field day, this is your chance to get it answered. Give us an audio call on Skype at Ham Talk Live, or you can call us by telephone. Again, the number is 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-NET-HAM-1 to ask your field day questions. Sean is here to answer as many field day questions as he can, and if he can't, he'll even get back to you. So please give us a call, and uh, maybe it's scoring, uh, setup, some strategy, uh, ask away about field day that's uh, what we're here for um we actually do have our first uh question uh, already from twitter uh katie um wy7yl asks if reddit counts as uh, social media wow that's a great question uh thanks katie for the question um 
Reddit is uh, is one of the largest online communities that's uh, that's out there. Um, but I would not consider it to be a social media platform the same way that I would say Twitter or Facebook. So I would say that Reddit would not uh, posting uh, your videos or uh, to. Uh, to Reddit would not necessarily count for the social media bonus. Uh, if you can, however, post your videos to, say, Facebook or Twitter uh, or Instagram because uh, you have that uh, an instant kind of connection. Uh, you can establish relationships and friends and uh, followers uh, with Facebook and Twitter, uh, and you can have interactions with them uh, uh, that way. So I would say that Reddit would probably not count for the social media bonus. Okay, very good. Well, we've got our, our first question out of the way. 812-NAT-TAM-1 is the phone number, and we did get a call, but uh, the famous Skype group calling thing didn't work, <laughs> so we were playing with that earlier, and for some reason tonight Skype's being um, irritable, so if you want to try calling back, uh, give us a call back. Uh, sorry, we couldn't. Uh, oh, yeah, and here it is again, and it, it's not coming up with a group call, so if I take it, it's going to... It's going to dump Sean, so maybe you can you can um, come on Skype. Skype, yeah, yeah. Come on Skype. Uh, Cooperate. Maybe you can um, can tweet us or um, uh, your question because uh, Skype's not cooperating for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, so we'll we'll stand by here for a minute, but um, standing by. Okay, he's calling back. Extreme okay. Labs, but they're calling back again. But it's still not. It's still not working. Because this will put everybody on hold. So huh. I'm sorry. Uh, try try tweeting, um, and maybe that'll that'll get your question through. Um, what's the uh, What's that tweet address, uh, Neil? Oh, that's at Ham Talk Live. Just okay. at Ham Talk Live. Um, if you have a question, um, now I will mention. Oh, oh, we have it on text, actually. That will work, too. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where did that screen go to? I saw it. Uh, oh, okay. Very good. I know who this is. <laughs> this is Tom Henderson, WU9I. Um Try again, Tom, if you can, and if that... Does, oh, there we go. It worked. All right. Okay. Tom, are you there? I'm there, Neil. Yeah. Sean? You ran into that. Skype's got this issue with if um, you try to share the contact details and you haven't finished go. the sharing on both sides. Okay. Um, that. I'm there, Neil. Yeah. Sean. Oh, yeah. You'll have to turn down your. Um, got this issue with. You'll have if, to turn down your. Um, turn down those speakers. Speakers, yeah. Uh, but anyway, Skype has this issue uh, when you share contact details. If both people don't share them before the call, it doesn't want to do that. So that's that's what happened with that. So anyway, Tom, go ahead and ask your question. Uh, but anyway, Skype has this issue uh, to share contact details if both people don't share them. Tom, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. I'm going to hook up earphones because we're uh, looping so because you got right. a time delay. Yeah, you'll just have to listen to Skype. Just listen to listen to Skype when you call in. Hi, Tom. How can I help you? Hello. Oh. 
He's getting the, he's getting his headphones, I guess. All right, we will um, stand by. I can I can yeah. juggle. I can do a soft shoe. I can. Yeah, play my there guitar. you go. There you go. We we can do that. Um, let's wait here just a second for Tom. Trying to see if I had another quick one we could throw in here. Um, yeah, actually, um, most common scoring mistakes. What do you, what do you think are the most common mistakes when um, a group submits their field day report? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, the first one that uh, comes to mind, I would say, is uh, whether or not they qualify for the battery bonus. Uh, and uh, in order to get the five, uh, the, the multiplier, uh, the score multiplier of five uh, to your total score, you need to be using a battery for a power source and you need to be running five watts or less. Those two conditions must be met in order for you to qualify for the five uh, five times uh, score multiplier in field day. If you're running, excuse me, if you're running a generator as your power source and you're running QRP, uh, that doesn't count. You would only get a multiplier factor of two. If you are running a hundred watts and a battery. That also only counts as a multiplier factor of two. So in order to get the five times multiplier score, you must be running both a battery and you must be running five watts or less. That's that's probably the, the biggest question that we get about scoring. Okay, very good. Well, I think Tom's going to have to call us back, it looks like. Oh, wait, um, no, he just he just typed so, his question oh, did here. Did he type it? Oh, okay. Yeah, he says, uh, hey, Tom, we got it right here. He says... Uh, which frequencies and which bands are likely to be more active? What about solar in 12 volts but not QRP? Okay, well, we just talked about uh, 12 volts but not QRP a little bit ago, but we'll, we'll touch on that again. Which, uh, which frequencies and which bands are likely to be more active? Well, that's... That's a very difficult question to answer. I mean, uh, a lot of that is going to depend on propagation to your area. Um, clearly, the, the meat and potatoes bands for field day are going to be 20 meters and 40 meters. Uh, the, the propagation has just been terrible lately, as anybody who's been uh, active on a regular basis will know. Uh, 40 meters during the day uh, is going to produce the, uh, a, a lot of contacts for you. Uh, certainly, uh, even, even during the, the, the middle of the day, you'll be able to get out uh, three, four, five hundred 500 miles if you've got a decent antenna. Um, 20 meters is always, uh, always good to check. Uh, but the thing is, field day is right, uh, right near the solstice. So that opens up the possibilities for sporadic e-propagation. So uh, you always want to keep an eye on 10 meters and 6 meters. And if things get really, really crazy with sporadic E, you can even see an opening on 2 meters as well. So, uh, so what, uh, I, I would say that if you're, if you're running a smaller operation uh, and you've only got the ability to put up a couple of antennas, I would consider either one, a multi-band uh, antenna such as a uh, G5RV or uh, something along those lines that will allow you the ability to get on multiple bands based on propagation, um, and uh, and try to maximize your uh, uh, your abilities to use multiple modes if at all possible. Remember, you can work the same station on the same band on all three modes: phone, CW, and digital. So, uh, if you have the ability to uh, to do uh, multi modes. Uh, even with one or two simple antennas, you will, you will maximize your ability to stay on the air longer. Uh, and uh, propagation, uh, hopefully, will not be nearly as much of an issue uh, as the recent band conditions would, would suggest. 
Uh, general, okay, so he, he has a follow-up question. Uh, Tom has a follow-up question. He says, general-related frequencies or more amateur extra allocations? Okay, so I would say, uh, based on that, um, the, the, the bands in general for field day get packed uh, from top to bottom. So I, uh, I don't think that uh, if you're, say, for example, you're a, you're a general class operator and you're looking to participate uh, uh, as much as possible in field day, I don't think that you're going to run out of stations to work uh, in the general class portion of the band as opposed to uh, finding uh, stations uh, hanging out in the extra class portion of the band. Certainly there are going to be stations in the extra class portion of, uh, of, uh, of every band that you work but uh field day is such a large event that there's going to be plenty of people for uh for general uh general class operators to work in the uh general allocations yeah one of the things i like to say uh about field day is uh the most ridiculous question would be is the frequency in use yes the frequency is because yes the frequency is in use (laughs) every last one of them and some of them that aren't even there um so yeah and he, oh, he's got another question. He's got here. another one here. Do Sometime. multiple digital modes work too for same station scoring? So, example, PSK, Ritty, uh, Hell. Uh, Hell Schreiber, yeah, yeah, all of that. Uh, the field day rules show, uh, uh, state that all digital modes, uh, PSK, Ritty, Hell Schreiber, uh, all of those different digital modes, those all count as digital for the scoring purposes of field day so for example if you work a station on 20 meter ritty uh and then you hear that station again on 20 meter psk uh, for field day, you've already worked that station using a digital mode. So that would, that would be a duplicate QSO in that mode. So all digital modes are lumped together for the purposes of field day under the general term digital. Very good. And, and one that came up um, in our field day planning meeting the other day mm-hmm. um, was we've always had a, a safety officer here in, in the Bloomington, uh, but this is the first year for that checklist. And we had a discussion about the um, the defibrillator, the AED, and you had to have someone that was trained on that. And um, our question was, you know, if we miss a few overnight hours, but we have one the rest of the time, should that still count? And uh, why why have the training if we don't have one of those defibrillators available? Okay, um, so the safety officer, uh, the new safety officer bonus points um, for Class A stations. If you, for people who are not familiar with that, if you go, if you download the 2016 field day packet, there is an area that describes uh, the the new safety officer multiplier, and uh, there is a checklist of various things to uh, keep in mind uh, for. Uh, the responsibilities of the safety officer. And we, we state in the rules that the safety officer multiplier is not something that you just, you know, you can't simply appoint somebody in your club as safety officer and, uh, and give them a wink and a nod and call that uh, uh, qualifying for your bonus points. There's a checklist of material that we provide in the field day packet for things that the safety officer needs to uh, work on compliance to make sure that your site is safe. Um, as Neil pointed out this is the first year for this particular bonus and uh, perhaps we did not make this clear in our in our uh, 
uh, on the on the checklist that we provided in the field day packet. But these these items are uh, are meant to be general guidelines for uh, things that a safety officer should look for. Um, you do not need to meet every single one of the items that is on that checklist in order to qualify for uh, the 100 points safety officer bonus. Um, you, you should do due diligence and you should uh, put forth the best effort that you possibly can. But if you, if you don't have somebody on your staff who is AED trained or uh, CPR trained, that is not going to disqualify you from the uh, safety officer bonus points. You should do the best job that you have. Uh, the, you should do the best job that you can in ensuring that as many of these items as uh, as possible are checked off for your team. But uh, you are not required to fulfill every single one of those items on that checklist in order to qualify. Does that very make sense? Good. Very, very good. We have two minutes left, and I have like oh, wow. three or four questions. Uh, Tom does say that your local Red Cross may have an AED course available. Ours mm -hmm. does here, and it's twenty five dollars. Takes an hour, so it's it's certainly yeah. good. You know, you certainly want to be as as well prepared as you possibly can be. But uh, in ter for terms of field day, uh, if you don't meet every single one of those requirements, we're not going to uh, to say you don't qualify for the safety officer bonus. You should do everything within your you should do everything reasonable in order to meet that qual that uh, that bonus point. Okay, now we're going to have to go lightning around here. W9 okay. uh, MSM wants to know about the field day locator, how to get to that. Uh, Katie also wants you to review the setup rules real quick. Oh, okay. Um, and then uh, Tom wanted to know about the analog modes, which sideband, CW, and digital are the... the Right. That's th those are the three main modes that uh, we use for scoring purposes. Uh, side uh, phone, CW, and digital. Those are the three main categories for modes, and you can work a station once uh, on each one of those modes per band. Um, okay. There was a question about the Set field day locator. Yes, the locator. Uh, okay. The field day locator is uh, a, an interface that we have on Google Maps that you can find on our. Uh, you can find a link to that on our main website, which is awrl.org/fieldday, and that allows you to post your group's location on Google Maps. And if you are an, an operator that does not have a, uh, a group to operate field day with, it allows you to see contact information for field day groups that are in your area. So if you're if you're an operator looking for a group to operate field day with the field day locator allows you to scan the country and find an operating site uh where that you will be near and uh, uh all 50, uh all of the field day locator sites on that map have contact information for them last time i checked there were over 1500 sites listed on the field day locator map across the country Okay, and then Katie's other question was the setup rules. Okay, so uh, uh, several years ago, uh, we had a lot of concern from uh, folks that were in hotter climates, primarily like the southeast or the southwest, that said uh, 24 hours uh, setup time was just too much uh, uh, for them to deal with under the heat uh, in the environments that they were in. So a few years ago, we extended the setup window for field day to begin at zero hours Friday evening, so that'd be Thursday evening uh, uh, local time, uh, uh, like eight o'clock uh, on the East Coast, and what would that be? Five o'clock on the West Coast. So within the within the forty-two hours of the setup window that we have now uh, allotted, every every field day group is permitted twenty-four hours of setup time 
within that 42-hour window between zero hours Zulu Friday and 1,800 hours Zulu Saturday when field day kicks off. So within that 42-hour stretch, you have 24 hours of setup time that you can use in any fashion that you like. Very good. Well, Sean, we've got a couple of others that came in by email. I'm just going to forward those to you. Oh, sure. Um, and, and then uh, we'll get those out. Okay. And uh, if anybody uh, anybody who's listening didn't get a time to ask their question, by all means, send me an email. Uh, you can email me at kx9x at arrl.org. I'll happily answer your question as best as I can before you uh, start setting up for field day in just a, just a few hours. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for your questions, and thank you, Sean, for being with us. That's a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. I'd like to thank my guest, Sean Kutzko, KX9X, all the callers and listeners out there in cyberspace, and invite you all back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time when Valerie Holtzfeld, NV9L, one of the co-hosts of Ham Nation, and an avid DXer will be here to talk about analyzing your logs and improving your contest scores and how to work those big D expeditions. So for now... Uh, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours.